0: Hey, good evening, everyone. It's good to see you. Welcome. Welcome to our Thursday night service. All right, well, we're in this series, and I'm excited about it. We are in week three, and we've been learning some very rich things. We've been going to a book called Building Successful Relationships, written by Michael Fletcher, my pastor, a good friend of mine, and a pastor down man Manor Church down in Fayetteville, a book that we have used and have actually used in small groups and in many different contexts, over the years, and so we've been just going through kind of a uh, refresher course, kind of rushing through it in four weeks, taking all the all this information in there. But it's been good; it's been rich, and uh, it's been stuff we've been able to use in our relationships and at home, our coworkers, and all kinds of things. So, what has been shared with us so far is that all of life is about relationships. We know that to be true, and the success of these relationships directly affects the quality of life that we enjoy. And we know that to be true as well. Whether for good or bad, we know how a friendship, how someone that we love that we're connected to can really cause us to really enjoy life, to, to really look at, the, at, at what is going on in our life and enjoy it together with that person. We also know what it feels like to be estranged or to have a broken relationship and how that can affect our life. It can be hard. It can be a struggle. And so with that in mind, what can we do to learn how to better, to enrich our relationships, what I don't want us to do is, is necessarily go back in time and, 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 and regret or struggle through those kinds of relationships, because we all have them. We all have regrets. But what can we do to go forward? What can we look to in the scriptures to help us really enrich our relationships, whether it be a marriage, relationship with our children, again, friendships that, that God has given to us? How about in the body of Christ? you know we're we're huddling together in our small groups right now and we're learning about building friendships and meeting new people and that's a great time to really brush up on how it is that we can really build those relationships that they be something that that are going to be enriching to us and perhaps be something that's lifelong who knows what god can do but in proverbs chapter 4:23 what we have learned is that the bible tells us to keep our heart with all diligence For out of it is, it springs the issues of life. In the NIV, it says, Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. And that is so very, very true. And it comes right out of the Proverbs. Solomon is teaching his, his young sons about wisdom, the fear of the Lord. But he gets there in chapter four and he says, Look, boys, let me tell you, guard your heart, because your heart is so critically key to how you look at life. And so when it comes to relationships, it's so important who we let in and and perhaps people that we don't let in. And when we talk about the people that we do let into our life, how do we enrich those relationships? How How do we walk in the wisdom of God? What have we learned so far? We've talked about love, agape love. So incredibly important that when we walk in real love, that will attract people. We've talked about faith. Last week, we talked about faith and interest, having faith for people. You know, people need to know that we believe in them, and that is communicated. We talk about interest and how showing interest to another human being, to, to whether it be someone that's closest to us, and we've had interest in the past, and, and perhaps it's time to brush up on, on knowing more about them, being interested. Again, what we find is that when we love people, we show faith for people, when we are showed that we are interested in their lives, they're drawn to us. And we will have more friends. We just will. And so we're going to pursue two more topics tonight. We're going to talk about respect, and we're going to talk about time. So we're talking about, again, adding to our cadre, our our bag of, of, of truths that will help us to build on those relationships. So let's look at respect. What is respect? It's establishing a person's worth. When we respect someone, we tell them, you are worthy of that. You are worthy of my time, my effort to respect you. And it says here in Romans chapter 13, verse 7, it says, Give everyone what you owe him. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. And, you know, in our generation, in our time, you know, there was a period of time and in, in maybe in our nation where respect was something that was, was given away more freely And yet when times become tough, when separation and division come on, that is something that we see begin to diminish. And that's personal respect. And you know, out of all the relationships that we have in our life, and you know, I've got a chart that I I plan to give to you at the end of this series next week, where I talk about what is what is owed to the individuals in our life. We've got acquaintances and we've got people that that are that are casual acquaintances. and, and then that grows with people that, that are closest to us, that are friends, and then family. And what we find is that in all of those relationships, every individual that ever comes, comes across to our life is do that very basic thing, and that is respect. We're going to learn a little bit about that and why that is so important here in just a second. So our society as a whole, though, folks, really focuses on people's failures. Have you noticed that? That we tend to be critical, And when we become critical, we're pointing things out. And that really is more of a a revelation of what's going on inside us more than anything. And it shows that we're a little bit insecure. It shows that we need them. We talked about this last week, that when we try to bring someone down, we're trying to elevate ourselves. And so what we got to understand is that, folks, that's not going to elicit anyone's desire to be with us. And so, being critical, it might be our personality, it might be our passion to think that we're trying to help them by being critical. But on the very outset, you know, you can't be critical in a person's life without having earned a place to be able to come in and share that advice, to share what it is that you see that needs to be corrected or changed. And yet, if we don't start with just a basic respect for another human being, that can be lost right off the get-go. Somebody can shut us out, and we don't understand why. We don't understand why they're not listening to us. And and even in our everyday relationships, so we're not just talking about strangers. How about if we, we talk about our marriages? How about a relationship with our children? If we don't show respect, then what will happen is people begin to shut down. They no longer listen to us. They begin to withdraw. And so this generation just take a moment. It's seriously lacking some of that. And as I said, you know, as generations come and go, I think that what this next generation is inheriting is a real, a, a, a bunch of vitriol. It's, a, it's a, a, a very critical generation. And when you have technology and you have Facebook and you have Twitter and all the different things, we gravitate toward trying to be, you know, helpful, but it comes across as being very critical. And as a result, we cause more division. And that's not a good thing. And one of the places where I see that in young people today is how they treat older people. And one of the things that I want to share with the young people in this room here tonight is that, you know, and especially as we kind of look at the class division and we look at some of the financial things that's going on, and I think it's partly why our gen- younger generation are attracted you know, to certain kinds of political views, is there's a little bit of resentment And so that resentment is communicated in disrespect. And that's not a good thing because I want to tell young people, you know, I've observed and watched this over the many years when I was a young man and as I've grown to be a lot older. And one of the things that I've observed is that when a young person treats an older person with disrespect, you can count on one thing from that that older person, and that is they're not going to help you. And that's one of the things that I think that, that, that young people really yearn for from Older folks, people that have succeeded, perhaps people that have gained money over time. You know, there are trillions of dollars that are being set aside in retirement accounts and IRAs and and mutual funds and all that from elderly people, this whole generation. And I think young people as a whole, they're jealous about that. They're they're angry about the debt. They're angry. They want to have what you have. But let me just tell you, if you want to unlock those treasures, show respect. It's interesting. I've seen it. When I've seen a young man, and, and I'm just saying I've observed in every situation, but when I've seen young men rise up and show older men respect by saying, yes, sir, and no, sir, by being responsible to carry through something they've promised, it's amazing to see that, that, that the older men make it a point to go out of the way to help them, to look at them and say, you know what? You may not have it all together, young man, but because you respect me, I'm going to take a little extra effort to Hope you along. And isn't that what we want? Don't we want some help? Don't we want people to, to, to be drawn to us to want us to help us? And so I see, I, you know, just, just a little bit of a message to this next generation. To understand that if you want help, you know, you can either take it, you can steal it, you can rob it, you can force it. But nothing comes more powerfully and easily that when you show respect to your fellow man, especially to those who are older than you, and especially those who are older than you and the Lord, again I've watched it many, many times. Something that I didn't necessarily experience a lot when I was a young man, but you know, sports really helped me with that. And I remember walking in on some of my first jobs and some of the things that I learned and those older people over me, and whether it be at the workplace. But as I began to show them respect, respecting the position. You know, you don't always have to respect the person, but you respect the position. And That's so very important because, again, it will unlock something. It's called favor. It will unlock favor. It's a very powerful truth, that one that we should embrace. And so we need to be careful. We need to be careful about being critical because criticism will cause people to pull away. When we show a lack of respect, again... It shows our own insecurities. It shows our jealousies. Our jealousies are showing. And if that's the case, then we need to ask God to help us and help us to be respectful. So here's Paul saying, look, be respectful and understand. In Romans chapter 13, Paul also speaks about authority. And he says that all authority that has been established has been put there by God. And when we kick against authority and we criticize authority, we don't realize we're we're poking holes in our own boat. And God won't bless it. Speaking of of blessing, as as Pastor Jamie talked about earlier. So we have, every one of us, a need for acceptance and approval. And there are universal needs. We all walk around with it. And so here we have the opportunity to fill somebody's tank. Just like that. Very quickly, very easily by just being respectful. You know, I love going out into the community. And whether it be my waitress or whether it be somebody who's serving me at a counter, or I'm always looking for the opportunity to show them, look, just because I have a gray beard doesn't mean I'm going to mistreat you. Just because maybe you know I'm a pastor or know that that I'm in a hurry, it doesn't mean I'm going to mistreat you. And I'm not going to look at you and judge your station of life, whether it be the clothes that you're wearing or the color of your skin or your sex or any position that you have. You are God's child. That individual is God's child, and deserves, at very least, my respect. And you know what's amazing? I love watching young people when I treat them with respect. And to show them that, look, you're just not in my way. You're not just, I'm, I'm going, you, you, if you're the one who is serving me right now, then you deserve my respect right now. You are in the position, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna treat you as you deserve. And you know what, folks? You'll find a lot more th- Things coming your way, a lot more favor, a lot more opportunities where people will go out of their way to help you. It's an amazing thing. Not to say that respect needs to be a manipulative thing, but it just needs to be something that we sow on a regular basis. Because we believe in a very universal principle, don't we? That we reap what we sow. And if we're sowing respect, then guess what? It comes back to us. That's God's promise. You know, I love talking about this man because, you know. He's such a tremendous example, and uh, his name is Tim Tebow, and you know, there's a lot of criticism of this young man, you know, and and it's so funny that, that people will criticize and criticize. You know what I notice about him in his life that really is amazing is that they criticize the fact that he wasn't a very good quarterback in pro football. They criticize the fact that he can't play baseball for spit. They criticize all those things, but what they don't ever criticize is his love for people, his genuineness, and you know what? He earned that. So I caught a, 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 and you can actually find it. I found a, a report one time. It was a, it was a, a sports reporter, not a believer. And as a matter of fact, he started his his his. Uh, Uh, article was saying, you know what? Heard a lot about this Tim Tebow guy. Yeah, I didn't like him much as an athlete. I heard so many things. Saw him bending his knee out in the field. I saw him doing different things, and I I just thought, what's the big deal about this guy? Well, he met him at a party one night. There was some kind of an ESPN or whatever it was, a sports thing that was going on, and he got a chance. He bumped into Tim Tebow in the hallway, and he said, the guy looked me right in the eye, and he says, you know, I've heard about you. I heard you had, didn't you have some struggle in your family Is something going on with one of your children? He said, look, I prayed for you. And the guy wrote and he said, this man, I've never met him before in my life, but he showed me interest. He showed me care. And he took his time to look me in the eye and to show him that guy. He said, my, my idea of this man changed in an instant. Every criticism I had about him, everything that negative that has been spoken about that man, he said, he cared about me and it was genuine. And He called me by my first name, and he said, here, this guy is a, you know, an internet mogul and, and all that, I mean, as far as the sports and all, and there's no one that can touch what he does with the handicap, no one. Matter of fact, it, it's funny, because you look up Tim Tebow, you're going to find criticism, as I said, about all that he has done in sports, but they can never touch what he does for people. Folks, that's it. And you know why he gets that? It's because he shows respect and love for the least of these. You can't touch it. And so, what an example. He is throwing the bar high for us as believers. And if we can't even treat our neighbor, our people that, that are healthy in mind and body with respect, whew, Lord needs to help us, doesn't he? Respect the very, very powerful truth. And we have some great examples out there. So let me ask you a question: how do you treat others? You know, we 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 examine our heart, and we should. How do we treat our loved ones? Do we judge them by their appearances or others that we meet? Do we judge them by their race or their station in life? How about their age? We can show respect to our children, of course, as parents. You know, sometimes it's very easy. You know, children should be seen and not heard is is what we kind of grew up with, some of us. And the whole idea is that children are some kind of a lowly, you know, advancing type human being when they're not given a junior Holy Spirit, by the way, the moment they give their life to Jesus Christ. They have him as much as we have him. And they should be treated with our respect. When we show respect to our children by listening to their thoughts and their ideas and their opinions, we show them worth. We show them worth. And so much, I think, that that goes on in our society today is because we fail to do that. We don't take time to learn and embrace them. Andrew and I are doing a a small group right now with young parents, and we're excited to to, to teach them these things, to talk about these things, to get it out there and over. So, folks, how can we show respect? we got to give respect and and honor no matter a person's station in life. Let's remember that. Let's don't make ourselves the measure. Let's not make ourselves the measure. Let's always be looking for an opportunity to learn something from someone else. As a matter of fact, sometimes we're in those positions where we might even be lovingly shamed by a person's respect for us when we weren't even thinking it at the moment, but they gave it before we even had a chance to criticize them. Let's learn. Let's grow. Treat people the way you would like to be treated. Look for something of value in everyone that you meet. Listen, listen, and listen again. Receive and acknowledge people's Position, uh, opinions you know we're where we are today folks is because we've grown in this intolerance and it's funny that the ones who want who are yelling yelling the most about tolerance tend to be the most intolerant well let's show them by example shall we let's do it don't insult or kid around with people beyond what respect would expect in other words, you know, sometimes we, we get joking and we pick on people's weaknesses and, and we, and we kind of jump ahead and think that that's something that they would laugh with us too. You know, there's a reason why we should be very careful about picking on people and being insulting or joking. You know, that's not often very respectful. And so we need to think about that. And perhaps even, you know, one time I had a person that used to pick on me all the time and, and one day he just came up and asked me, that doesn't bother you, does it? does it? I said, yeah, it does. Shut him right down there on the spot. It was a moment for me to teach him. I said, you know, I don't bite you when you do those kind of things because I'm trying to show you how to do this thing, but you don't seem to be getting the point. But you just happened to ask me today if what you were saying to me bothered me. Well, it does. I love you, brother, but that's pretty unkind for you to do what you're doing. Never happened again, and we grew closer together in a friendship. And to be honest with one another, Let's help each other in this process. We can. And again, finally, choose to see people the way God sees them, his creation, his people. Remember, respect is in short supply today, and people are drawn to those who show respect and honor to everyone. Let's look at the next one. Let's look at time. And this is a very powerful one, too. And time, as Michael would describe it here, is time is the key to unlocking a heart. We're going to get into a little bit of deep stuff here. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1, it says, There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. In other words, God says that time is important. And there is an appropriateness when it comes to our priorities and the things that God prepares in our life. And sometimes we don't always do real well in knowing the difference. In Ephesians chapter 5, 15 and 16, it says, See then that you walk circumspectly not as fools but as wise redeeming the di- re- redeeming the time because the days are evil redeeming the time you know sometimes when god gets a hold of us maybe a little bit later in life or we begin to figure things up we kind of feel like we got to catch up and you know what that's that that that's an okay feeling and maybe god can can do that as a matter of fact i've often prayed this over people may the next 20 years of your life be 10 times more fruitful than the first 20. And I know God can do that. I've seen it happen. But what we have to understand is that every moment, in the time that we're sitting here tonight, we can't go back and we can't undo it. We can't, I mean, as, mo- as much as people want to travel in time and, and we love reading about stories like that, we just can't. Time marches on. And we're given opportunities to whether to, be, to do something good or to pour into another human being. So many of us, what we tend to do is to say, well, we're going to put off till tomorrow what we can do today. And often the Holy Spirit puts in our heart something that is being shed abroad, whether it be love, whether it be a moment to to, to speak a kind word, to invest, to affirm, to do something that might lift someone up, and yet we just get so busy, we forget it, we don't write it down, and we move on. But when we give our lives to God, when we are serving him, then we understand that every moment is pregnant with possibility. It's ready to unleash something powerful if we just see it that way. Instead of just saying, well, it's a rainy day, it's a waste, can't wait for tomorrow. Rainy days and Mondays, right? Always get me down, that kind of a thing. Instead of saying, God, please make me or help me make this something that is still building a legacy. Help me not to waste my moments. Time is a powerful thing. And we tend to mismanage our lives. There's there's no doubt about it. We can tell people that we value them. So we can use our words, but time speaks louder than words, doesn't it? When it comes to our spouse, our children, and our friends. Time is true, is the true measure of what or who we value. So we can tell someone we love them, but when, the, when, the, when it really comes down to it, are we spending that much time with them? You know, time in and of itself, or what we would call quality time, is considered a love language. But I tell you what, I think, it's, I think no matter what your love language is, time is what truly communicates a person's value. And in other words, to say, look, you know, I don't spend that much time with you. And, you, you know, you can see it. You can see the amount of time that we put into anything to value it, whether it to be to learn something new, some kind of a hobby, or to, to uh, learn a new language, or to just become better at anything. How much more so is it than we spend the time with the people that we love, that God has placed into our life? And so when we talk about building successful relationships, folks, we've got to understand you can't and I cannot build a successful relationship without spending time with them without spending time, and and good quality time. We know that time is life, and the allocation of our time determines our priorities. Isn't that interesting? So we all say we've got priorities, but where the rubber meets the road is really doing an audit of how much time. You are the most important person in my life, yet I don't spend that much time with you. Those become empty words, don't they? God gives us some biblical priorities, and we know them to be that God is supposed to be first in our life. He says there in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added to you as well. So God says, if you put me first as the quality of time in your life, in other words, that he's the first thing we think about. He's the first one we we, we bounce off of. He's the first one. He's our first love, and he's our first thought. He's our first everything. And then that's followed by the relationships that God puts in our life, especially at marriage. The moment we say, I do, that individual that God puts into our life is the second most important person in our life, very powerful, and for all very, very wonderful, powerful reasons. And after that, our children if we have any. Then after that, our ministry, what God has created us to do. And then after that, our vocation, how we're going to make money. And you might think, gosh, that seems to be switched around. Well, it doesn't always necessarily mean the amount of time because who knows you can be at work 8 to 10 hours a day and that still be a ministry. Sure, Absolutely. You can be praying for your co-workers. You can, be, you can know that God has strategically put me there, boots on the ground. Whatever it is I'm doing, from making widgets to working at home and in, in, in making paper up the plant or working at the hospital or teaching kids in school, we all have an opportunity to have a ministry first. Then after that, after our job, just making our money is down there as hobbies. And if you look at all this, it, it tends to get a little out of whack as, for us as Christians. And it would make sense that if we're not seeking God first, then that would be probably the first thing that begins to kind of fall out of order is, is our priorities. And so, you know, we got to be careful that we're not just talking it because our children are going to know. Not by what we say that comes out of our mouth as far as our value for them, but the actual time we put into valuing them. And how do we value them? We have learned a little bit about that, that we're interested in what they're interested in. So all of these things are cumulative, for sure, that we know what they're interested in, but we take time to be interested in those things with them. So the allocation of our time determines our priorities. So what are you putting the most time into, my friend? What gets most of your attention, your passion? Think about it. After all the day is over, maybe when, when the, you come home, what, what is occupying your mind? What are you thinking about the most? What gets your time? You know, I remember years ago when I had a, a gal come to me, and she was struggling with her marriage, and, and she was the kind of person that used word pictures. And I asked her, I said, well, how, does, how do you view your marriage? And, I, and she says, I don't know how to describe it. I said, well, use something. Use something that's in your yard. Use something that he does. And she goes, Okay. I feel like one of his hunting dogs that he just puts out in the cage and leaves out there, throws me a bone, gives me a bowl of food, and then walks out and leaves me there all, all night long. And I'm like, Whew, that's a pretty tough word picture. But it was a good one in the sense of her understanding and coming to terms and really being able to communicate to her husband just how the lack of attention was making her feel. Time is powerful stuff, people. If we want to change people's lives, we've got to spend time with them. There's no doubt about it. And you know, the tyranny of the urgent is what pushes it out. We often don't live by priorities. We live by urgency. And so we just go, well, I've got to do this, and now I've got to go do that, and, and now I've got to go do this. But if we'll stop and seek God first, if we'll just stop and say, Lord, I want to give you my life. I don't know. This is a chaotic day. I've got all these responsibilities. And, and, and when you start to think about it, and believe me, I, I know all about that, especially of late. Lord, help me to live my life right. Lord, I want to give you this. i want to give you that. Sometimes the burdens and the things that we have are what's occupying our time and, and as a result are robbing us from the time we could be putting into our loved ones. When we need to take those things, even as my wife encouraged me today. David, don't do that. Give those things to the Lord. Give them to him. And and he says, my burden is light, so let's give him the burden, and then let's go on to take the time, the energy, the passion, and put it into the people that are right there, ready to receive it. So we have to make choices, choices every day that affect our priorities and vice versa. Where our time goes, so does our heart. For good or for bad. Now, let's talk about something that, that, that's a little more uncomfortable and just, just gonna hit on it real quickly. When it comes to people in our life, the amount of time, time plus opportunity creates love. Now, think about that when it comes to our marriages, when it comes to the relationships that our children have with their friends. We want to impact our children's lives as parents. We want to know that our values are what are being transferred to them. But if they're spending more time with other people and those other people don't have our values, well, they have first dibs at their heart. They're the ones that are communicating. They're the ones pouring it in. And and let's not even use people. Let's talk about television. Let's talk about the internet. Let's talk about the hours of time that we spend staring at our phones, looking at things. It's getting our time. And it's affecting our values, so we need to think about that. I'm not sure I understand. That couldn't be me. Who was that? Oh, I bet it was back there. Somebody. <laughs> well, let me help you understand. Hang in there, man. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> All right, so we have to make choices that affect our priorities and vice versa. So when it comes to time, this is where guarding your heart really becomes very, very powerful, doesn't it? So who do we let into our lives? Who has access? And who gets in there? As a parent, you should be concerned about your children as far as the amount of time and who has access to their heart. As a husband... You should be concerned about the access and time that your wife has apart from you. Is somebody else that has more time? And does that explain why adulteries happen? Does that explain why people feel like they're left and pushed aside? Absolutely. Time. Love cannot grow without time, without sitting down and living your life together, looking into each other's eyes, talking about your dreams, talking and talking and sharing and drawing an interest and in renewing your passions for one another, dreams of the future. So we've got to guard our heart, folks, when it comes to time. Our relationship with Christ is the great calibrator. As we seek him first, as I shared earlier, he helps us manage our other desires and passions. He will do it. And that's the beauty of this thing. You know, the rest of the world, as they look at time and are trying to balance, I mean, you know, you can get apps today that will help you balance your time. And, and you know, you see it all the time when you said, okay, bing, it, the, the, the alarm turns on, it's time for me to go work out. It's time to go do this. It's time to feed the fish. It's time to go do that. You know, you can live your life that way. That's not a real fun way to live your life. Because it's, it, 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 what extracted is passion. What is extracted is spontaneity. It's not a real great way to live. But we've been given a Holy Spirit, and we've been given God who says, look, if you'll seek me first, I will help you. I will help you grow in the passions that you're supposed to have. I will direct you, and I will help you know when to pour time in. And that's not to say that there are times in life when we've got to put more time into something than another, when there's sickness, when there's pregnancy, when there's all kinds of different things that happen in life, financial challenges. Maybe you have got to go get out a second or third job to just make things happen for a season. But as I said, we always take God with us in that to help us know, Lord, calibrate my heart. Let me know, where am I? Seek me, search me, try me. Is there any wayward way in me? Am I using time? Am I wasting time? You know, we always say that. I just don't have time, don't we? We use those words a lot. I just didn't have time this week. I didn't have time. No, that's not true, is it? What really is, is we chose not to make the time, if we'll be honest with ourselves. We chose chose to not make that a priority at that moment. And you know what? It's not here to condemn anyone. It's just to cause us to realize, to think, to evaluate. Lord, help me, to really go to the Lord and say, Lord, help me. Just as it says there in, in, in Ecclesiastes, or I'm sorry, in Ephesians. So, to walk circumspectly, to walk with a heart of wisdom, to say, God, I want to live, to, live, to leave a legacy for my children. I, want, I don't want to waste one moment. You know, it's always the parents whose ch- children are come and gone, where you get that, 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 that sense, even a sinking feeling sometimes. Man, how many moments did I lose? I mean, it's hard. To look at my son Tate who's now 22 getting ready to turn 23 and look at him and just remember when he was that little boy who snuggled up to me with that little red head and look at me and say daddy and now he's he's this big guy and doesn't call me daddy anymore you know we don't want to waste one moment to share kind of a poignant and powerful moment in my life and I'm, I'm glad I didn't miss it as a father but I remember when Meredith was just a little girl, I think she was probably eight or nine, something like that. And, and I, I, you know, we were speaking of, of swimming, Mike, And because I, I really loved it even in those days. I, uh, I thought, you know, I want to teach my children how to swim. And so I would take, because we homeschooled, I took Meredith with me, my firstborn, to the YMCA to swim. I wanted to teach her how to swim. So I'd get her over in one lane and get her swimming while I'd go and knock out my own my own routine. And so anyway, we did that like two or three times a week, and we kind of created this nice little routine. And it was a wonderful daddy-daughter you know daughter time for us. And I remember I was in the locker room, and Meredith was going to wait down in, in, in her area until I was finished. And there was a businessman in there. He had this, had to be a $75, $100 shirt, you know, and a tie, beautiful tie. I looked at his shoes. They were, you know, beautifully polished and, and I looked at this guy. He's, he, he, was, he was probably a lawyer, but he was definitely, you know, someone of, of some renown. And he looked at me, and I, not, not renowned, but, you know, of uh, uh, importance. And he looked at me kind of just with a kind of a heavy look in his eye. And he just said, is that your daughter you're swimming with down there? I said, yes, sir. And he says, I wish I had done that. And he says, let me tell you, young man, you keep doing that. And I remember those words were filled (laughs) with a story. I didn't know what the story was, but I knew that I was getting some advice that would change my life if I would just listen to it. And I remember feeling so wonderful on the inside to say, well, amen, that's what I'm doing. But at the same time, realizing, you know what? I'm not wasting that one moment of pouring into your life. Not one moment when you see, when your, kid, your kids come to you and say, Daddy, would you play with ball with me in the backyard? You're going, you know what? I don't care what I'm doing, but I'm doing that. Daddy, would you do this? Honey, would you help me come and do this? Honey, do you want to go for a walk with me tonight? Honey, would you like to go out to lunch? Moments. Moments we can never get back. And God wants us to walk circumspectly. He wants us to think of time. And you know what? It's a gift. It is a gift that each one of us has, as long as we're breathing in and out, to pour into the relationships in our life. You know, I've talked about children in our marriage, but also about our friendships. Perhaps there's someone in your life, you look at, maybe they come on Thursday nights and you look at them and you say, I'd like to spend more time with that individual. We need to get lunch sometime. Or you walk past him every time and you say, hey, we need to get lunch sometime. Five, 10, 15, 20 years go by. You know, it's a long time. Well, I've lived long enough to know that I've done that a time or two. 22 years down in Fayetteville, there was a couple of guys there. There was every Sunday morning, man, we need to get lunch sometime. Never did do it. Got to make time. Got to make the time and ask God to help us. So how do we, can we take stock of our time? Ask yourself this question even tonight. Who is really important to you? You will know it by the time you spend and it, could, might, it might not even be a who, it might be a what. But God should be the first one that comes up in my mind, with Jesus, he's it. I can't do a thing without him. What is most important to the people that we love? To take stock of our time, to know where to spend that time. Again, it's going back to interest. But if, if, if you really want to have the quality of time, you know, sometimes we're, we're missing the target. Find out what the people in your life like to do, what they love to do, what what you know will be exponentially more power, minute for minute, because it's something they enjoy, something they look at you and say, man, I can't believe you want to do this with me. Amen. What allocations can you minimize? In in other words, there are things in our life we just have to do, right? Got to work. Got to do this. We got to do that. But what can we look at and perhaps, you know, the Bible says that we should not wear ourselves out to get rich. I don't know if you know that's what it says in the Bible. We shouldn't do that. And there's every reason why we shouldn't do that is because we're misallocating our time, that we will look and say, you know what? Money doesn't hug me. Money doesn't come to visit me in my old age. Money will never kiss me on the cheek. Money will never send me a letter. Money will never do any of that. And then finally, just to ask this question, when it comes to your time, are there traps in your life? Are there things that you're doing that you know could upend your life? Are you spending more time with someone that you should be spending time with? Are, you looking, are your children spending time with people or things or, or computer programs more than they should? And sometimes we let technology babysit our children. Can't get those minutes back either. So, you know, when it comes to this, let's ask God to help us. Because when it comes to all of these things in building successful relationships, you know, we hit up against them and we just say, man, Pastor David, you're making that bar so high for me. I don't know how to really respond to that. But you know what? God will help us. The love of God is shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Spirit. And I believe every one of those other convictions, everything else that will help us build a relationship, God will give us. He'll help us if we choose to let him help us. To pray, even as we're going to pray tonight, Lord, let me make the most of the time of my life. And it's a good thing to do, you know, from time to time, to just take account, just literally to say, Lord, where are my allocations of time? What, am I, what do I think about? What am I doing Help me. Help me to reset the clock of our lives. Amen? Let's stand up this evening. Thanks for joining our live stream today. Make sure to like our Facebook page. And if you want more information about us, make sure to visit us at our website, valleychurch.us. Or go and download our Valley Church app called Valley Church Weldon. If you feel led to give today, you can give on our website and on our